I remember being at the uh, at a couple of Grey Cups and running into the box J-Boys twice and being equal parts terrified and excited about meeting that crew of awesome guys. But when they get into their Oski Wee Wee right in front of you... <laughs> I would not want to fight a guy in a kilt. Nope, nope, nope. Safe. Neither would I. Neither would I. They once drove to Vancouver from Edmonton to go to the Grey Cup in a Toyota Matrix with summer tires. While listening to the entire Tragically Hip discography, they love their Canadian football. John Fraser, a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan and sports reporter from Saskatoon. Does this mean I have to start researching? And Travis Curra, a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan and radio announcer from Red Deer. Does anybody want to do fantasy dancing with the stars next uh, season? Bring you the Two and Out CFL podcast. Every week, Fraser and Curra will deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Can't forget the nonsense. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out podcast. Ready, set, hunt. Welcome to episode two of the Two and Out CFL podcast with Travis Curra and John Fraser. And John, did you see the cool uh, news on iTunes this morning? We made the, like, what was it? The new and relevant or new the and things noteworthy. that don't suck page? I don't know if we're relevant, but new and noteworthy for sure. <laughs> so wait, it, the page isn't called Things That Don't Suck. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> oh, here I thought we were doing a good job. You can be noteworthy and still suck, I think. That's fair. Maybe that's why we're there. <laughs> hey, Stephen Colbert's on there. Shaquille O'Neal's on there. So uh, if they suck, I, I could suck too, I guess. Well, hey, the you know, it's not a bad list when you get to look at iTunes and, and look at the front page and see Stephen Colbert, Shaquille O'Neal, and then the two of us. And I just think of the old Sesame Street song, one of these things is not like the other one. <laughs> I actually, uh, I couldn't, I, I couldn't believe it. So I, I guess we got to give some props to uh, the CFL podcast community. I'll be honest, when... We started this podcast. I, I I got super nervous before we put it out because there's been other <laughs> you know podcasters. They've been doing this for a long time, but they they've been super supportive. It's like coming into a new family. Like we got adopted, and they actually accept us. <laughs> I know it's great. Uh, lots of love from the entire CFL podcast community. Uh, if there's any way we could all meet up and do one sort of mega weird episode wow, one weekend, that'd be sweet. that would be the coolest thing ever. So I guess might maybe a Grey Cup kind of thing. There'd be a, the mega. <laughs> but it has to be a Grey Cup that's kind of warm. I'm looking at the guys from the BC Lions then here. No no offense to the Eskimo Empire guys. You know, that's 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 okay. But your city's a little cold in November, <laughs> and I'm getting soft. <laughs> so you're only in for, like, a Vancouver Grey Cup now? Maybe Hamilton, just because that's only one of three venues I've never been to. Okay, yeah, Tim Hortons Field. I'd, I'd love to see see that field. So big shout out to you know Podski Wee Wee. I have to. I love the name. Yeah, um, <laughs> I do. I like that one. And the guys from Bleed Red Blacks, BC Lions Den of Yes, the Eskimo Empire Podcast. Thanks for the shout outs and helping us out. Let's get to the news. <laughs> In the huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two It Out podcast. So yesterday, it was late last night on Twitter, it was announced that the BC Lions are asking Paul McCallum to retire. Yeah, that was kind of a shocker. 45 years old, he's 
He's been in the league a long time, and it's kind of funny. Since he came to BC after he left Saskatchewan, he probably had the best years of his career. I know he won a Most Valuable Canadian in the Grey Cup in 2006, and then, of course, won it again with them. The game that we went to in uh, 20... I, I know it was against your Bombers, but in uh, 2011. So it looks like we probably have seen the end of the line for Mr. McCallum. I don't remember seeing the award that year because I remember you and I were back in our hotel room late in the fourth <laughs> quarter and back in my car and gone. But it was really surprising because it's not like he was ineffective last year. You could almost argue that there was other kickers in the Canadian Football League that had worse seasons than he did. He had a great year once again in 2014 i mean he went 33 for 33 in his field pardon me sorry 33 of 42 on his field goals which is still like that's an incredible ratio no it isn't bad but they do have some new import kickers there in bc that they are making some waves right now but they are you know imports and it looks like they're gonna go with two of them uh, so they got Richie Leone, and they have Anthony Farah, and it looks like they're going to go two imports at kicker and punter. So fun fact, I was wrong. It was 38 of 42. The CFL stat site sometimes boggles my mind. I'm a simple kind of guy. <laughs> McCallum's career field goal percentage, that was the second highest of his entire career last season at 90.5, and going import of that spot, I mean, I... <laughs> I really don't know what Jeff Tedford's thinking there. I mean, for me, the rule of thumb's always been with kickers around the CFL is you had better be pretty damn good if you're going to be an import kicker in the Canadian Football League and to go with two, a bit of a surprise. So I guess uh, now McCallum has, uh, from what I've read, has kind of asked if he could be released. And uh, who knows? He could be the first guy up uh, if we see a kicker injured or ineffective early in the season. For sure. And these two import guys, do you think bringing them in might affect another veteran on the team? I don't want to say his name, but Ryan Phillips, I mean, he's good. He's always good. Yep. But is but he going to every get... import player on the BC Lions right now, your job just got a little less secure if you're canadian if you got a canadian passport you're feeling great because i mean if they're getting rid of those two spots out of your uh, out of the roster that's uh that's two more jobs for canadian players there so could be interesting in bc i said in our first podcast i'm avoiding them off the top and you know you're starting to see a little changing of the guard and maybe some signs of unhappiness in british columbia I have heard that the way Tedford runs practice is crazy. Like, they're literally getting eight, nine seconds in between plays. They're going right back at it. And I can't imagine a lot of veteran players are thrilled with that. I know I covered the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and we'll get to their news in a little bit. But I know Corey Chamberlain likes to have – he does still do his two-a-days, but he always says, I don't run a burnout kind of practice. He doesn't run a burnout kind of camp. And look at the way the Riders have started pretty well every season since Chamberlain took over. It's been pretty damn good. So I don't – this seems to be old-school thinking. It might have disaster written all over it. And for my Blue Bombers, I suddenly see a team they might be able to jump ahead of in the West. But, of course, I might be wrong, and the guys from the BC Lions then are probably not the favorite guy – probably not my biggest fans right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another retirement uh, – I, I was very surprised. Brandon London out of Montreal is hanging up the cleats. And that's – I almost wonder if that's one of the first times where you see it more in the NFL – 
where guys are retiring when they can still suit up and play. And Brandon London, uh, he's 30. I mean, he's kind of coming to the tail end of his career. He might be one of those guys that kind of looks at his hands and knees and everything and says, okay, I can still get out of bed in the morning, and I still feel okay. So uh, good on him. I'm sure he has reasons to do it. Uh, again, that's kind of disappointing for the Montreal Alouettes because, I mean, they've already lost Deron Carter. Brandon London was going to be a big part of that offense, and now – now he's gone, but I, I can't say that I've met guys that have retired from the CFL that one day literally woke up and said, hey, all my fingers are straight. I can remember what shoe to put on first. Maybe it's time for me to hang him up. That's a lot. That, that takes a big man to do that, I think. So massive respect to Brandon London. And uh, like I said, uh, fantasy plays in uh, in Montreal just got a little thinner at wide receiver. They had already t- suffered some losses there this offseason. All right, John, uh, of course, you are around Saskatchewan Rough Riders training camp. I think it was Thursday they were in PA, but back in Saskatoon now. What are you seeing there? Well, I'm seeing the number one thing that Ryder fans can be happy with, and that's Darian Durant is very obviously healthy. The right arm is feeling good. I spoke to him today, kind of getting an update like, hey, through the first week of camp, how's things feeling? And he said everything's feeling good. Obviously, there's some icing and some maintenance and stuff to it, but he's feeling good. I watched him. It was great. During one of the afternoon sessions, he drops back, throws about a 40-yard pass in the air, right into the hands of Corey Williams, and it was wow. against the wind. So, I mean, the man they call doubles here in Saskatchewan is looking fine. Uh, I think Ryder fans should be encouraged. I'm starting to see a little bit of depth at receiver behind those guys. I mean, Ryan Smith, now in his second year, is starting to emerge as the Dressler clone people kind of thought he would be. Alex Perchalski, he's another guy that's looking like uh, he's going to do a good job as uh, backing up both Rob Bag and Chris Getzlaff, as it's looking almost for sure that the Riders are going to go with two starting Canadians, at least from their five wideout spots. Uh, Jamal Richardson, still looking a little slow. He's day-to-day now with a knee injury and uh, the battle at center is <laughs> that's an interesting one uh, I want to say that Dan Clark has the edge right now over Corey Watman. That's actually uh, shocking. There's a lot of hype I think in Rider Nation around Corey Watman because he was a draft pick last year and uh, is was Clark the guy he was playing when Durant got injured last year in the Banjo Bowl and he missed his block? Uh, I believe he may have been. I don't quite recall. I, uh, needless to say, I don't always watch the Banjo Bowl with the clearest of <laughs> minds. But Clark is the guy that's famous for the two touchdown catches that where he reports as a tight end. And actually, uh, that was uh, that was the game where Durant went down and Tino Sinceri had yeah. to come in and fill in for him. And uh, I do love those big man uh, touchdowns. <laughs> As a couple of big guys ourselves, yeah. I think I do too. Partial to that, of course. I'll never when, forget. When, when the celebration registers on the Richter scale, <laughs> it's a good touchdown. I think it was 2010 uh, Grey Cup. I know the Riders lost that game. But I think Keith Sholigan got a touchdown. And he cracked the football like it was a beer. That was one of the best celebrations <laughs> I've ever seen. We need more football as beer celebrations. I think so. <laughs> I'd love to see somebody carry a how to you know a screwdriver under the uh, goalpost and shotgun the damn thing. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, so we're in the middle of training camp right now. We got a couple preseason games coming up uh, early this week. Monday, Red Blacks and uh, Tie Cats, and then Tuesday it's Argos 
at Varsity Stadium, which I think is really cool, and Bombers. Now, these games, the first games, they're going to try and play as many players as they want because the cut-down day, they want to be down to 65 players next Sunday. Well, and most teams right now, if you count the junior invites and, like, the the non-roster, like, fourth or fifth-year CIS guys, from all accounts across the league, rosters are at about 90 guys. Yeah, they're huge. They're huge rosters right now. So I think some guys are – this is when you kind of get a look at some of those bubble players, or maybe even this is when you give that junior roster invite just a taste. Let him go out, take a snap in a pro game, and he's got a story to tell because you know that kid's probably going back to whatever Canadian Junior Football League team he might have come from. Uh, Same with maybe some some of the CIS draft picks that still have a year of eligibility so it it'll be interesting it's nice to see some preseason football and i will be in front of my tv watching it but uh i'm definitely going to need to pull out uh the team's websites to find out who the hell these guys are (laughs) yeah there's gonna be a lot of that do you see on cut down day next sunday some surprising cuts or is that usually reserved for the last big cut down before the season starts well i think Usually, you're. I don't think you're going to see a lot of surprises with the first cutdown yeah. day. What you might see there, you might see some guys that are told by their coaches that, hey, you're kind of on the bubble, and that's where you may see a mutual parting of ways, uh, kind of like a Paul McCallum-like scenario. But the big surprises are going to come close to the roster, close to the final roster cutdown day, right before the regular season. That's traditionally when you see it. Unless, like I said, maybe there's a guy that just doesn't fit into a new coordinator's uh, system, and maybe they give him his release early to try to find some more employment around the Canadian Football League. But there's going to be a lot of names gone uh, a week from, Sunday uh it's just going to be wait and see if anybody is anybody that could have draft implications a lot of uh, positive feedback from episode one and there was some cool questions I think that we can address uh right now and there was actually a review I saw on iTunes where he suggested hey why don't you create a fantasy league or fantasy league yeah for some listeners in. So that's from Stoofville underscore RPB uh, on iTunes. So do we give him the first slot in the to an CFL podcast fantasy league because he suggested it? You know what? I think we do. He suggested it. It's a great idea. And then we give our other listeners, especially the early adopters in the infancy of this podcast, a yes. chance to maybe get in on a fantasy league with us and take all my advice and use it against me. <laughs> Perfect. So at the end of the show, we'll give you details on how to, how to get into the first annual two and out fantasy league we did get some questions dylan on twitter hit us up and he wondered about the fantasy point setup now this season i know that i think we're going to use the standard fantasy settings last Mm -hmm. year we tinkered with them a little bit a little bit of course uh we did the ppr so when your receiver makes a catch you get a point no matter what and then you, because you're going to get that single point for the catch. So guys that make a lot of catches, they're worth a lot because the stars of the league are the receivers, and there's so much passing in this league that you want kind of even ratios across the board. You don't want the quarterbacks to be worth 90% of your points. Well, that's it. You have to bump them up someplace yeah. else. And uh, a lot of what I'll, what we'll talk about in, in the coming days is, 
we'll talk about in both uh, some of our previews heading up into the season, especially our East and West Division previews. I'll yeah. mention a couple guys I like a little bit more in PPR formats. Uh, that's when you're looking at running backs that uh, that can actually catch the ball uh, rather than just you know drive it forward. That's uh, the kind of guys you're going to want to really get in PPR leagues. It gives you an extra advantage, and guys who catch a lot of balls, those are the guys that you're going to want to take an extra look for in your PPR leagues. And you can't predict touchdowns because those are just completely random. You can't really predict a touchdown every single week, but you can look at the guys. They're getting the most targets. They're making the most catches. So to answer Dylan's question, we do head-to-head. Uh, we don't do a rotisserie format. We do the head-to-head. You play a different guy every week. And we tinkered with the formats last year. So on defense, you were getting a lot of points if your guy's got a defensive touchdown. You yep. can't predict that either. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love some of the randomness to it. We yeah. love the head-to-head matchups too, and that's one thing that we're always going to talk about because for me, uh, head-to-head is it, – it's got the benefits and the fact you can trash talk your buddy, which is always yeah. fun, uh, as well – it lets you kind of get away with a bad week. I've been in some roto leagues, especially roto baseball. It seems as though you'll have a pitcher that'll get just blown up in the first or second inning, or maybe you'll have a receiver that doesn't show up for a week, and it seems to hurt you for a couple of weeks. So we like head-to-head for trash talk and the fact you know you can be wrong in a week and still go on and win your league championship. So the standard fantasy point system last year, I know we were we softened the blow a little bit if your quarterback throws an INT or fumbles the ball and then rewarded the defensive players for forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, interceptions, blocked kicks, and things like yep. that. So this year you're going to get a point, you know, for the passing yards. The more you get, the more you get, obviously. Six points for the touchdowns, the rushing touchdowns. Uh, receiving touchdowns. And then if your quarterback's super accurate, you're going to get rewarded for that too. You're going to get points there. So basically your standard stuff, we're not going to touch those this year, so we we can provide some sort of a reference for this year in fantasy football. Kellen also, he asked a question. It was on our Facebook page. This year there were 16 Canadian quarterbacks, something like that, in CFL camps. And I don't know if I remember this much hype and around Canadian quarterbacks going into a season. I mean, Brandon Bridge, he looks like he actually might stick in Montreal. Well, here's the thing, though, Travis. Right now, the the CFL and the CIS have what they call the Canadian Quarterback Internship Program. So every CFL team is mandated to have one CIS quarterback in their camp. So right now, the Edmonton Eskimos actually have Saskatchewan Huskies quarterback Drew Burko in camp, much like uh, Noah Picton of the Regina Rams is here in Saskatchewan Rough Riders training camp. So that's one reason why the numbers are so high. A lot of guys, too, are draft picks who are quarterbacks that are now being worked out as wide receivers, things like that. So I believe they're still counted as quarterbacks. But to me, Brandon Bridge is a guy that that really has a chance to stick in Montreal. I don't know if he's going to start this year. He's going to be given the opportunity because I know they're not settled on Jonathan Crompton out in Montreal. But he's a guy that could be a potential ratio buster if they ever get their heads around it and actually make that a ratio position. I don't know why they don't because to me – so what if you have a Canadian kid as your third stringer? So what if he doesn't play? He's still getting in-game experience. He's still watching the game and pending a couple arm injuries. He could be your backup quarterback. I, the fact that quarterbacks don't count towards the ratio is just asinine to me. And Kellen, he did ask, should there be a rule for teams to be forced to carry a Canadian quarterback? I don't know if teams would react well to being forced to carry no. unless they were exempt against the cap or something like that. Do you know what I mean? 
Well, I know exactly what you mean, but I think I said this to Kel and I responded from the, the two and out podcast Facebook page. I think if you made that a ratio position, it would happen organically. If you've got a Canadian kid and an American kid that are close at your third string quarterback position, you know, you're going to throw them into a game. Why not make that a Canadian? Why not count it towards your ratio? Maybe gives you an advantage someplace else. That Canadian kid is now going to get, get to fulfill his dream. Even if it's just sitting as a third stringer, he's going to get a chance to fulfill his dream of playing in the CFL and collecting paychecks from the Canadian football league. But you know, you mentioned cut down day coming up here right away. I think mm-hmm. with the exception of maybe Brandon Bridge in Montreal, a lot of those Canadian quarterbacks are about to get sliced off because I believe uh, that's the only mandate that the CFL and CIS say that you have to keep them through the first cut. And I think it would be very beneficial, like some Canadian quarterback, second or third string, holding the clipboard for a guy like Ricky Ray or Henry Burris. Like that is invaluable experience. Well, and you, you too, you'd give some of these guys, uh, the the kid, uh, I want to say Quinlan, out of McMaster, you and I were at the 2011 Fanny Cup, and he put on an absolute show, and then goes to Montreal, gets invited, gets signed as a third stringer, and then retires because he basically looks at the writing on the wall and goes, okay, I know I'm not going to start here, I might as well start my post-football career. The top quarterback in the CIS should not be thinking about, oh, geez, I guess I'm never going to make it. It shouldn't be uh-huh. a struggle for these guys. Why is it a struggle for an offensive lineman? Why is it a struggle for a receiver? Well, you know, Nick Dembski and Addison Richards, two of the top picks in the CFL draft, are going to get fair shots at Bomber and Ryder Camp. Why shouldn't a kid like Burko be getting a shot in Eskimos Camp? And I was going to mention Quinlan, too, because of the past, I would say, 10, 15 years, he's probably one of the most exciting Canadian quarterbacks coming out of the CIS. You saw that 2011 Vanier Cup. That, that was, was that incredible. was the best guy. I still remember, and I want to thank you publicly for this, Travis. You and I were at that game. <laughs> yes, we were. It was a blowout at halftime. I had some friends in Vancouver, and I turned to you and said, you know what? Let's get out of here. The beer's too damn expensive. Let's go and, and hang out with our people. And you said, no, no, no. We'll stay till the end of the third. And that's when, that's when Ish hit the fan, and yeah. it became one of the best football games I've ever been to. So, again... Thank you so much for actually making me stick around to the 2011 Vanier Cup, man. I could just I could watch highlights of that game over and over. TSN did that like mini documentary on it. I love it. That was the best football game ever. Yeah, I I have no problem calling it the best game I've ever been to, other than the 2010 home opener for the Riders when they beat Montreal 54-51 in overtime. I remember sitting in a basement watching that one. We might actually have a few scores like that this year if the rules make any difference in the scores, you know? (laughs) Oh, boy. We had a referee at Ryder Camp earlier this week, and it was Nylon City. Look out. Was it? Oh, it was just... It was... Yeah, there was a few flags. I think this is going to take uh, take some getting used to. I look at the NHL as a precedent when they came out of the lockout and power plays went crazy. I think you could see some penalties going crazy for the first few weeks. Until the playoffs come and then the flags stay in the pocket, right? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the NHL, Kura. Yeah. <laughs> you used the chainsaw to cut his leg up? Bah, that's fine. Yeah, the NHL finals. You can do anything in overtime. That's uh, right. And over, you murdered a man with your stick? That's ah, a two-minute high-sticking minor. <laughs> Let's get to the fantasy news. Time for the fantasy expose on the Two and Out podcast. So the season hasn't started yet, of course, but we're gonna. This is our East Division preview show. We want to talk about each team in the East Division. Uh, talk about their weapons. Some guys that you need to pick out of the East Division. I guess. Do we want to start with the Toronto Argonauts, John? 
Let's start with the Toronto Argonauts. I'll give you a quick breakdown here, Kura, of their uh, offseason. They added Ricky Foley along uh, the defensive line, Brandon Isaac at linebacker, Kerry Johnson at receiver, and the old lineman Sean McEwen, of course, they drafted him. They lost John Childs. He's gone to the NFL. Jason Barnes, Shea Emery's in Saskatchewan, Sir Vincent Rogers with the all caps. Spencer Watt is gone, and Steve Slayton opted to retire. So we're going to start this off with three segments, a sure thing, an avoid, and a sleeper. Then we're just going to kind of give uh, some thoughts on that team for the year. So first off, my sure thing is Ricky Foley. As a guy who covers the Riders, I am going to miss this guy. He's a great quote, great guy, and a hell of a defensive lineman. He led the league last year with Saskatchewan as far as defensive lineman points. I would expect another great season from Foley. And again, a rare Canadian who rips it up at a normally import-heavy position. And yes, I'm saying import, not international. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I like that uh, term international. I I do want to talk about the Argos, though, but looking... At the other teams in the East, I think every other team has made significant strides in trying to improve towards the Great Cup. I don't know if I can say the same for Toronto. Yeah, it's to, you look at those outs. You look at, I mean, Charles goes to the NFL. Steve Slayton retires. Uh, Shea Emery is gone. But And really, the only real big piece they brought in that's a for sure thing is uh, Ricky Foley. It's yeah. going to be really interesting in Toronto this year. And, of course, they've had some injuries already. It's I, But then again, the East Division being what it is, I don't think it's going to be as strong as it was. I, I made an appearance on Rod Peterson's Sports Cage this week, and I said, for me, the four best teams in the CFL, only one of them hails from the East. And to me, we're going to make the guys at the uh, Podski Wee Wee cast uh, happy on this yep. one. But uh, I think the Hamilton Tiger Cats are the only ones that could really seriously dance. I still think that they are the team to beat in the East. I still think Calgary is the team to beat in the West. And it looks like Montreal, they are trying to build themselves to beat Hamilton. Yeah, it's it's starting to look like that. Yeah. But before we get into Montreal, we'll just finish up here on the Argos. Sure. I wanted to say my players to avoid. Of course, sure. we're talking fantasy rules quarterbacks usually anyone with Ricky Ray will be an early first round pick in the past few seasons that's been a safe bet but this year Ray is still recovering slowly from shoulder surgery try saying that 10 times fast probably won't <laughs> be there to start the season I'd pass on Toronto until Ray's status is a little clearer my sleeper I did see that they took Ray off of the injured list I don't think this means he's going to play anytime soon but why would they take him off the injured list? Well, that's a typical bodies in camp move. You see a lot of that. If you follow every team's roster in camp on a daily basis with a fine tooth comb, there is always guys moving in and off of different lists, inactive, suspended, injured. It's really it's really kind of fun because they only have a certain number they're allowed to have in camp at any given time. And so there's some creative bookkeeping uh, with some of that, I'll never forget. Uh, this is a story, and I can't say which market or what team it happened, but uh, I can tell you a friend of mine said they were covering uh, one training camp, and they wanted to interview uh, a, a junior standout that had been playing really well in camp. And he was told by the team's uh, people, uh, he's not technically here. <laughs> he was on the field, but they didn't have him listed on the roster. Wow. And that happens at every training camp, I can guarantee you. So you're going to see a lot of moves like that if you look at it closely. Okay, what's your sleeper in Toronto? Sleeper in Toronto is Corey Greenwood only because he 
is kind of a forgotten man. He signed with Toronto late last season following time in the NFL with Kansas City and Detroit. Linebackers who are Canadian are rare, and they can be a real ratio buster. Take him if you can get him. A second name for you as well, Anthony Coombs. If he stays healthy, I see him being Andre Dury light Yeah, because I, I don't know how they're going to use Coombs this year, but I can't see Curtis Steele holding on to the starting running back job all season long. He's just very underwhelming to me. I mean, he's a reliable guy, but I, he's not going to make the flashy plays for you. I think Coombs can. Yep. Or are they maybe going to line up Coombs at slot back uh, a little bit? Well, Coombs can play both positions, so I yeah. think he's he's going to be one of those guys that's going to get his touches, and I don't know what position that's going to come from. But again, doesn't matter because when you're playing fantasy football, the points are the points aren't d- dictated by where he lines up. The points are dictated by where he's on the field. But you know what? As a whole, minus some of those guys, stay away from the Argos. I've got a date for you, Kura. Okay, August eighth. That's the first home game that's actually in Toronto. Oh man. Because of the Pan Am games, they are gone. However, that being said, after that August 8th, it's basically all home cooking for the Argos. So if, yeah. if you like players that play a little better at home, I think I think things will be fine. Of course, the Argos are still in the concrete jungle that is Rogers Center for one more year. Don't yeah, get started so on that. That... The, the reason that you just said August 8th, the first time that they will be playing <laughs> at home, is a good reason why I think they are leaving and going to BMO Field. A lot of people, I don't, maybe not a lot, but a very vocal amount of people aren't happy with them going to BMO. Well, the the problem is, is this facility, if you go back and do your research, when BMO Field was constructed, it was always designed to be a multi-purpose facility. Absolutely. It's just when they when they broke ground, they decided, well, the Argos aren't here, so we might as well build it soccer-friendly and then look at converting, expanding, whatever you might want to call it. So the problem is, all these TFC fans, which, by the way, the MLS is at best the 13th best soccer league in the world. I've counted it by hand. I've got Italy, <laughs> Russia, a few Asian leagues, the Premier League. Uh, I'd I, I put the Mexican League ahead of it. I mean, it's not good soccer. So go and watch your English Premier League early in the mornings or... If you're gonna, or if you're gonna cheer for a team, cheer for a team that's local. Go, go to your local men's or women's soccer program at your university, wherever you may be leaving. If you want to cheer for some local talent, because I can tell you that's probably still better than MLS, CIS, footy, if you will. But these guys, they've gotten so used to being the only show there. They like natural grass, and I get it, but it was never designed to be to be more to be just a one person facility and on top of it the thing that blows me away there's two things they're all saying oh yeah football's gonna cheer and tear up the hybrid surface and it's gonna ruin soccer blah 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 you realize they play international rugby there right now and have you ever looked at a rugby field (laughs) it's kind of got some landmines on it on top of that with the fifa women's world cup here in our country bimo field isn't hosting games they have so, no problem playing in Tim Hortons Field, Commonwealth Stadium, BC Place, and neither do the Whitecaps. I know, the Whitecaps, who actually win a damn game, are actually playing on the same surface in BC Place. It's fine for them. It's fine for everybody else. You are a second-tier league, a 13th-tier league. Your fans are just so vocal about their precious footy. Maybe if TFC could go out and win a damn thing, they could Make all the just... playoffs. Or, or support, if you've read anything about that franchise, they've done nothing 
for the local, the grassroots part of the game. No camps, no money, no appearances, nothing for grassroots soccer in that city. You look at what the Whitecaps are doing, the Montreal Impact. They're helping out soccer in their community. They're playing on turf. The TFC TFC thing just needs to go away. Let the Argos play there. And besides, even a bad crowd in an Argos game is more than what TFC's been getting these days. (laughs) All right, I'm done. Let's move on. Let's go to Ottawa. I did want to say, like, I... I don't know how, because there are fans on Twitter literally challenging Argos fans to fight. <laughs> like, like what? Do you want to be like the English soccer hooligans? And I, Come and on. I, get and I better. BC Lions then uh, props for this one. They ended up saying, like, so if we punch you, you're just going to fall over like you got shot? Oh, <laughs> murdered. Like... I, I don't get it. What I my dream is, and I was telling you this. Yes. Have tie cats Argos bring those fans from the hammer. If you want to fight, it's a fight. <laughs> I remember being at the uh, at a couple of Grey Cups and running into the box J boys twice and being equal parts terrified and excited about meeting that crew of awesome guys. But when they get into their Oski wee wee right in front of you, <laughs> I would not want to fight a guy in a kilt. Nope, 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 neither would I. Neither would I. (laughs) So let's look at the Ottawa Red Blacks now. Before we move on, I say a a good defensive secondary pick in Toronto, Jermaine Gabriel. He's a a national. Looks like he's going to start there. And uh, I had him at times last season. And he was consistent. He was great. So that's a good Argonaut pick. The Red Blacks. The all caps. Yeah, the all caps. (laughs) Get this. They have 15 receivers in camp. Nine of them weren't there last season. Woo! So <laughs> there's going to be some changes in Ottawa. They brought in Ernest. Changes. Hey, David Bowie. Yeah, I like that. They're bringing in Ernest Jackson. Uh, yep. He came from BC last year, 813 receiving yards. And won Maurice- our league. Yeah, he was a consistent big body, so they need that. Um, Maurice Price, he's coming in. He banged up last year, 544 yards. Has he blocked you on Twitter yet? Mo Price, he didn't block me on Twitter. Uh, it's oh. John Cornish, and uh, <laughs> Cornish <laughs> has me blocked, and Nick Lewis has me blocked. That's, That's right, one. it was Nick Lewis. Anyways, go on with the edition. Price is actually, he's willing to get into a debate with me, so I have a lot of respect. (laughs) See, I remember seeing that, and I thought he blocked you because of the debate you and your brother and him were in. No, he's he's a good sport. I really like him for that. Uh, Brad Sinopoli, he's brought in as well. He had a big 2013, but he had an off year last year, less than 200 receiving yards. Canadian going back home to Ottawa. Greg Ellingson, who I think could lead this team in receiving. He had 429 yards in seven games last season. Yep. His rookie year, he had 800 yards receiving in Hamilton. So he, I th- he's a very dangerous receiver. He's a good, he's my sleeper pick for uh, Ottawa, and everybody is going to be going for Mr. Chris Williams. Yes, he, he is actually, I've got him down as my sure thing in Ottawa. Yeah, me too. He or and Siobhan, actually Siobhan Walker too. Watch out for him. He can score a touchdown from anywhere if he can stay healthy. He's a dangerous running back in uh, Ottawa. Now I'm still not talking about all the players they've brought in. 
<laughs> it's it's insane the changes they've made to the offense. Now they drafted first overall Alex Matias. Is he going to start this year? He probably will, to be honest. Probably. They need they need an offensive line there. They need yeah. Canadian depth. And, uh, again, usually these kids coming out of the CIS, especially at the offensive line position already, you just keep going on with a little change to the auto. I'm going to make myself a drink. Okay, cool. <laughs> They're also bringing – I don't think he's kidding. They also brought in Sir Vincent Rogers. Uh, he'll be playing on the offensive line. And he was a free agent pick. A lot of respect to this guy. He said, hey, I just went to whoever paid me the most. Because at the end of the day, you got to pay the bills. Sports is a business, whether we like to admit it or not. It does. It's a little bit more than a game. It is a business. So he'll uh, he'll shore up that offensive line in Ottawa as well. They did lose a uh, number of players, uh, some for the better. Some Ottawa fans would say Dobson Collins is gone. Wallace Miles, he's gone. Uh, Eric Fraser is gone. Jasper Simmons is gone. I do think that's a big loss for Ottawa because they had a dynamite off our defense last year. No matter what you say, they they lost seven five. If yeah, I was gonna say if you can be in a seven five game, your defense is doing some things well. And I've, I'm back with my drink too, Kerr. Okay. I see that you finally wrapped up all the additions. Yeah. No, ja- Jasper Simmons is off to Calgary, who I think would be an awesome pick in a fantasy league. I, I owned him last year. He was awesome. Now yep. he's in Calgary. Although I will say this, sometimes good players in real life line up good players in fantasy. Sometimes it's not the best because Jasper Simmons was on the field all game long last season because their offense couldn't stay on it. So sometimes I might target a team like Toronto who – they might not be that good this year. The defense gets to be on the field a lot, but guess what? That means they're going to be making the tackles. Somebody's got to make the tackle. So, well, well, that's why I got Ricky Foley as my sure thing out of Toronto. Yeah, that's a that's a actually really good pick. Yeah, I know what I'm doing once in a while, <laughs> allegedly. There is uh, still more receivers there. Is Marcus Henry still going to stick? Khalil Payton, who actually is super underrated in Ottawa. So there is a lot of spots there. Now, seeing all these names makes me think that maybe Chris Williams won't be on the field all the time on the offense. Uh, So they won't. I don't know if they'll use him as much as Owens gets used in Toronto because you got to think he's got to be getting worn down by now. He's... The snaps that that guy sees. Yeah, you'd have to fit by some point. He's he's going to start slowing down, and maybe this is a year. But to Chris Williams, I call him my sure thing. I think he's going to find his own way onto the field. I I mean, and on top of it, like we discussed in episode one, mm-hmm. Fantasy is now rewarding points for not on in, not on team special teams, but for individuals. Put it this way, his last CFL adventure saw him finish the season, 16 touchdowns, almost 1,300 receiving yards, and 1,100 punt return yards. Even if you only have the 1,100 punt return yards, he's still totally worth it. Yeah, because not a lot of receivers, like 1,000 yards is the benchmark. No receivers in Ottawa had 1,000 last year, and... If their defense is going to be any good, they're going to be forcing punts, and Williams is going to have that ball quite a bit. Yes. I do want to avoid Maurice Price. I do think he's, you know, he's he's made it to that point of his career where he, he might go high. If you can get a good value pick for him and get him late in a draft, I would take him. My sure thing, Siobhan Walker, that guy can 
move. Yep. And a sleeper pick. I don't know if people are forgetting about this guy, but Greg Ellingson, he is dangerous on the offense, and I want to see him work in Ottawa. And they do have a new offensive coordinator, Jason Moss, yep. is taking over there. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, well, I think he has a great mind for the game. Well, and he's got he's got the weapons to do something with because I mean yeah. I think you and I uh, both are sure thing avoiding sleepers all come down to receivers in Ottawa and that's kind of got to be the the theme. I mean Henry Burris is going to have his weapons. I'm with you on Maurice Price as well. I see him as the third or fourth option in that offense, and he's getting that age where receivers start losing a step. Last year, 34 grabs, 544 yards, two touchdowns. Not a great season. He's got a lot of that name value. So again, if you're in a league that's with some guys that aren't so experienced, he is going to go. A little high because they're going to recognize the name uh, for me the sleeper i just i look at the canadians on that ottawa lineup and they're gonna to have to go canadian receiver that one of those canadians is going to be brad sinopoli i see he's a former quarterback lots of flashes of greatness in calgary but he was buried in that deep receiving core last year he's gonna have he a was, chance to shine yeah. he'll be available in the late rounds and should give you decent production to start a canadian at wideout or maybe as a backup canadian at wideout if you you know you you get an Andy Fantuz or something that's going to be your starting Canadian wide receiver. You know, maybe you get Brad Sinopoli to fill in on a bad week. Uh, last year, only 20 catches for 197 yards and three touchdowns. So good production when he saw the ball. He just didn't have it thrown his way a lot. Anton Pruno, he's a linebacker for the Red Blacks, says that they'll win 12 games this year. In the East, anything is possible, as Kevin Garnett would say. You think they can... Uh multiply their win total by six from last year well you got well i think so wow i i don't doubt it you gotta think they've got a lot of montreal and toronto on that schedule they're going to be better they've got a good home crowd i mean the only real team that they see a lot is going to be hamilton i think bc's taking a major step back i they proved last year they can beat winnipeg even though i think winnipeg will be better uh, again, I think there's a lot of parity in the league once you get past that uh, top four, if you will. I think once you're past the Riders, Eskimos, Stamps, and Tiger Cats, I think it's kind of anybody can beat anybody. And I think the Red Blacks, with their offseason additions, have jumped themselves into that spot. Wow, it would be really cool. I, I want nothing more than for their fans to have a winning season. I think it's been since the 70s since they've had a, a winning season. And that's insane. Like they, they deserve a lot better in Ottawa. I do want to say it was good to see Russ Jackson out at camp uh, this week. I don't know if you saw the moment last year, the home opener in Ottawa. And I think this speaks to how big of football fans they are there. It was Commissioner Cohan. Prime Minister Stephen Harper and Russ Jackson, a fan going to receipt, the commissioner, whatever, the prime minister, who cares? Russ Jackson, good to see <laughs> shakes his hand. That was one of the coolest moments I think all of last season. So good for Ottawa. I I do think they're going to be about eight and ten. That's eight a, and ten. So I I I'm with you. I think twelve might be a little far fetched, but I could see ten wins. Yeah. That, I, I would. I, I want to be wrong. I want them to do well. I have a soft spot for Ottawa, so hopefully they they do do well. Now this is totally by design. Uh, we 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 would we decided before the podcast started for this week that we would each pick two teams from the East and yep. preview them. I threw Montreal on you because you are terrible with your French. <laughs> Je ne sais. Je m'appelle uh, avec le pamplemousse. <laughs> Did you figure out how to say Jacques Chapdelaine's name yet? 
Um, Last week you called him Chapel Dane. (laughs) You should hear me on the radio this week. It has not gotten any better. (laughs) So let's have her. Let's hear your Montreal Alouettes preview. Uh, addition pour la Alouette du Montreal. Defensive back Chris Aki. Wide receiver Samuel Jigar. <laughs> okay, that's it. I got it. Dan, okay, nice. uh, I got a Lefevre for more cowbell quarterback there. I like the addition <laughs> to him. Bringing in a veteran CFL guy. To me, he's always been your perfect backup. Uh, it's just always been my question if he can throw the ball because he can run with the best of them. Uh, your can, favorite yeah. player, Nick Lewis, has joined the Montreal Alouettes. Hey, I love Nick. If you would unblock me on Twitter, I think... Uh... Uh, we'd get along a lot better. It's weird seeing him not in Montreal colors, though. I know. It has been a little strange. Stefan Logan, that's one guy that hasn't been talked a lot about coming over to Montreal. I think he could do good things at running back because Brandon Whitaker's always hurt. Yeah, I, I think it's coming. It's got to be close to the end for a Brandon Whitaker. I will get into Whitaker in a moment. Okay, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm getting angry. Uh, Jacob Ruby, an offensive lineman, comes in. Uh, Fred Stamps. Oh, boy. One of the best receivers in the CFL joining the Montreal Alouettes. It's almost a shame that Anthony Calvillo still isn't there. He's there as receivers coach now. And, of course, Michael Sam. We all talked about uh, Michael Sam coming to the league. And, and by the way, one thing I want to say about Montreal, and, and we know the story with Michael Sam. He's the first openly gay player to play professional football. He's a brave man, and I love to see what he's doing. But did you notice in the news release from the Montreal Alouettes, they didn't mention that. They just mentioned that we are getting a former SEC Defensive Player of the Year. And to me... That's an awesome move by Montreal. Let's focus on the kids' football. Let's let him play football. He, he's an inspiration for most, but you know what? Let's w- watch him play football, and I think he's going to do a very good job. He's a brave young man, and I, I'm so glad to see there's a spot for Michael Sam in the Canadian Football League. That is awesome because uh, so, at the end of the day, he's a football player, and that's what we should judge him on. Exactly, and he's. I think he's going to be a good football player. More on that in a moment. First, they lost to Ron Carter. Not a surprise there. I think we all knew he was going to the NFL eventually. He's been yeah. so dynamic in Montreal. He's, he's got NFL lineage. We'll see how he works out. Steven Lombala was a guy. Canadian, who I almost liked this depth pick, but there's another situation where a guy just decided, I don't want to do it anymore. A, a, retire, yeah. a retirement there. Uh, Ryan Bombin, of course, traded to shore up the Hamilton Tiger Cats offensive line, and Kenny Stafford also being gone. So, who I think might do good things in Edmonton this year, uh, Stafford. I would agree. Um, I think he's moving into a better offense in Edmonton than he's going to have in Montreal because. I look at Montreal, they've got some dangerous receivers, but who's going to get them the ball? That's what it keeps coming down to. Is Jonathan Crompton mm-hmm. for real? Is Dan Le- Can Dan Lefevre pass as well as he can run? I think he proved that a little bit in Hamilton. He's coming off a major knee injury. I mean, I like watching Dan Lefevre play. I got a Lefevre for more Lefevre. <laughs> He's a fun guy to watch. He, I mean, he doesn't have the most accurate arm in the world, but well, he can move around and make things happen. Absolutely. And, I mean, with Montreal, that quarterback question, it's going to be a wide-open competition. Mm-hmm. Crompton only had an 11-8 TD to interception ratio. So, for all yeah. the yards he threw up, not a lot of productivity there and not a ton of production from the quarterback spot. But, of course, when you're going from Anthony Calvillo to, <laughs> to anybody, it's a giant <laughs> no step doubt. down. Yeah, I am really rooting for uh, uh, Brandon Bridge there to stick I think it would be so cool if he sticks in Montreal. And yep. I know a lot of people are thinking that Fred Stamps is done after what happened in Edmonton last year. I don't think so. No, I think that was a situation in which, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not selling the farm for Fred Stamps right now, but 
that was just a situation that he, him and Mike Riley just didn't click, and that's going to happen sometimes in the CFL. That you got two guys that just aren't on the same page for whatever reason. I think Stamp still has something left in the tank. But they got a lot of guys, a lot of receivers now all of a sudden. Uh, do you see some of them getting cut? Do you see Lewis sticking? Um, it's. I think it's going to come down to between Fred Stamps and Nick Lewis. Which veteran yeah. receiver is going to be more productive and is going to fit the system better in Montreal? And it's going to be one of those two guys. If you're drafting a fantasy this week... I don't know if I'd be real high on either one of those guys. Again, they're name guys, so somebody in your league is going to take mm-hmm. them about a round or two too high unless you're in a league with, with real diehard fans. Somebody's always going to take those guys just 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 a round too high. I can't see if if they're both going to stick. Obviously, Brandon London's retirement maybe kind of ease that logjam a little, but they're both productive. But to me, I see Stamps having a little bit more left in the tank than Lewis, and yeah. now I'm going to be totally wrong. We should, we need to do an episode at the end of the year of things that John got wrong, and I, that might be one of them. <laughs> Last year, I fell into the name trap. I thought Nick Lewis could have a rebound year after, you know, breaking his, uh, was it his leg or his ankle with yep. Calgary? And last year, no. This he, is why I won the league. Yeah, because you was did a, dumb stuff like that. That was a tough draft pick for me. <laughs> they should just convert him to a fullback. He'd be a wrecking ball. He would be a wrecking ball. <laughs> He's a big man, and he, he knows how to catch the ball. But speaking of receivers, my sure thing, S.J. Green. No doubt. They you do have th- sure things on defense, but S.J. is incredible. Oh, well, S.J., you'd think that things would maybe get worse for him in his post year, first year post-AC How about a career-high 15.3 yards per catch average, 53 grabs, 835 yards? And remember, Jonathan Crompton didn't figure out the Canadian game until about halfway through the season. Make sure SJ is one of the first receivers off the board. Yeah, he was playing with Troy Smith to start the year until August. So. (laughs) Yeah, so he still had a great season. There are... I think some sure things in Montreal when it comes to their defense. I think they have an awesome defense. Mm -hmm. I will say that Bear Woods, if he plays every game this year, he could be up for most outstanding defensive player just like Elamimian last year. Well, the great year that Bear Woods had was almost overshadowed by the hype from Elamimian because you look at Woods' numbers and you even go into some of the advanced stats and he was not far behind Elamimian pretty well all the way across the board, it's just everybody was talking about Solomon because his 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 season was so ridiculous, but Bear Woods wasn't that far off. You're bang on with that one, Trav. And he didn't play every game last year. The guy is a monster. If you can get him as a linebacker, man, that is, I'd say he's one of the top three defensive players you can draft. Yep, I, I would agree. Um, as far as avoiding, and uh, I know this pain far too well, he may still have something left in the tank, but... Brandon Whitaker, this one is said with a little bit of bias here. I've had him in our league for two years in a row, and I never know if he's actually going to play. Unlike oh, yeah. NFL drafts, there's not a lot of running back depth in the waiver wire, and the annual Whitaker injury can almost derail your season. <laughs> what other running backs are there in Montreal? Stefan Logan. Oh, yeah. So they're not going to use him just – oh, you, uh, he he probably will see uh, touch the ball a lot then. Well, no – Crap, because Whitaker's going to find a way to get himself injured and make me not start a running back one week because I can't get anybody. (laughs) Avoid Brandon Whitaker. That is said with much bias. I like that. I like that. So who do you got as sleeper in Montreal? 
I've got Mark Olivier Bruliette, another French name that I'm sure I just butchered. 40, <laughs> 40 tackles and a pick at the safety spot. Uh, it's his fifth year in the league. He's made more tackles every single year he's been in the league. He's a rare Canadian starter defensive back. I love playing Canadians on defense. That guy is one of my favorites. Nice. Let's let's go to Hamilton now. Um, I don't I don't see Hamilton making that many moves. They they really didn't. To be honest, mm-hmm. they're, they're basically the same team. They did lose a few players, Ellingson. They did lose Jaguar. I guess they did technically lose Watt because he came in to the yeah. dark side from the Argos, and now he's out for the year. Yeah, he was actually going to be one of my sleepers. Yeah. Um, and then I quickly realized, oh, wait, he tore his Achilles like day two. The, yeah, that's that's really too bad. Oh, uh, they it, was, did... it was tough. He was going to do some good things. They did lose Delvin Bro, uh, shutdown cornerback to the New Orleans Saints. So there's a battle there. There's a battle at running back. They did draft a couple linebackers. Uh, Brian Archambo. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> been... <laughs> there's the understatement of the year. They drafted nothing but linebackers. Yeah, that's true. The notable names, though, Byron Archambo from uh, University of Montreal and Jonathan Langa from St. Mary's. So they're going to have, I think, some special teams beasts there because the front seven for Hamilton, probably the scariest in the league. Yeah, that's tough to argue against, Trav. I mean, I think anybody in that Hamilton, you always have to look when you've got lots of talent there. There's two ways to look at it. Either one guy's going to step up and take it, or you're going to run into some issues with guys kind of splitting the role, splitting the points. That's one thing I'm a little worried about in Saskatchewan and Hamilton for this year. But, you know, for me, my sure thing, you look back into the defensive backs, it's got to be Craig Butler. He is a he is a guy with a Canadian passport. He's all over the field. He's eligible defensive back. He plays some linebacker. And again, defensive back, not usually a deep spot. 40 tackles, one sack, forced fumble last year. It's his second year in Steeltown, which should mean, you know, another year of more comfort, another great season. And I had a man crush on him when he was in Saskatchewan. Yeah, so if I'm looking at the Hamilton defensive line, man, they got Hickman, they got Norwood. You look at their linebackers, they got Simone Lawrence, they have Taylor Reed, who I think probably comes into the season with a chip on his shoulder because of that little great cup penalty last year. (laughs) You mean mean the block in the back that wasn't really a block in the back and would have been the best finish to any professional sports championship game ever? Yeah, that to me. <laughs> Am I the only a... one who wanted to just walk up to Brandon Banks, give him a hug, and say, "It's okay, bro. It's You're okay." Not the only one. <laughs> it's okay, bro. You're really good at football. Yeah. So they are bringing in Johnny Sears from Winnipeg. He had 36 tackles last year, 32 the year before. His big year came uh, three years ago. He had 50 tackles with Winnipeg. We'll see what he does this year. But now Delvin Bro leaving. There is a battle. Uh you know, to get that shutdown corner spot, it looks like Emmanuel Davis has a lead on that. He's looking awesome. Uh, the the running back situation, I, th- I if I had to rank them, it it be- really it really is, and, and and that transitions now into, and I'm totally going to be that guy that cops out with with a pick. But uh, hear me out here. First off, fantasy wise, avoid the running back. This does sound a bit crazy. Grigsby, Gable, and Madu are all great CFL backs, but they'll split carries, and until a number one emerges or someone gets banged up, I take one of those guys with a late pick, but don't spend a first-rounder on a guy splitting carries three ways. And my sleeper, and this is where I totally cop out and be one of those guys everybody hates, those analysts everybody hates on TV, oh, 
he copped out. He's no good. Didn't pick anything. The sleeper is going to be one of the running backs I said to avoid because <laughs> basically, if you can, if you get a guy like like if if Madu because he's got the least name value to him is hanging around yeah. late and you can gamble a pick and get him and then they go with him or they find a way to get him or they they trade Grigsby or Gable or one of those guys gets hurt. Basically, pick your running back from Hamilton, pick him late, and sit on him and hope something happens. <laughs> so I, I I rank them like this: Gable one, Grigsby yep. two, and Madu third. Oh, um, you, you know what's funny? What? I've got Grigsby one, Madu t- second, Gable third, only because of Gable's injury history. Well, and he is banged up right now. No. It looks like he's going to miss their first preseason game. Madu is going to miss that first preseason game as well. So, yeah, you if you want to talk injury history there, I think Gable has the bigger upside. Grigsby is durable. So, yeah. He'll from what we know anyway, he played all last year. I think he's got uh, more durability than Gable does. So, But I look at Grigsby and I see a head case. And CFL yeah. teams don't have patience for head case. This is a guy who is in among the league leaders in rushing, and Winnipeg said, "You're such a nut bar. We don't want anything to do with you and cut him loose." Here, this wasn't have a, him. This wasn't a trade. It was here's one of the leading rushers in the Canadian Football League. Get him the hell out of here. That news does get around the league. Uh, we did talk about Corey Bo- Boyd in episode one. And, yep. And- yeah, and that's all. And that's all it takes. Maybe he's cleaned his act up in Hamilton, and maybe he's the guy. But for me, you see a guy like Grigsby if he starts underperforming. And you know he's nuts. You get he might be gone. Yep. So my sure thing in Hamilton, obviously, the quarterbacks. Uh, I want Zach Caleros. I mean, last year was it uh, Odell Willis that laid into Caleros and knocked him out for a few games? I'm pretty sure everybody laid into Caleros at times last year, but he yeah. always just seemed to keep springing up. But I do he's believe, tough. and I'm sure we'll get corrected by uh, Podsky Wee Wee, but uh, I do believe it was Odell Willis that basically murdered him in the face. Yeah, that was that was a rough, rough hit. There are some sleepers at receiver, though. They did lose a couple guys, but Terrence Tolliver looking awesome there right now. I'd say he's a great value, great sleeper in uh, Hamilton, as well as Tequan Underwood. He's looking awesome. I will say my sure thing is obviously Caleros on yep. the defense. Simone, you can't go wrong with him at linebacker. Sleeper, though? Terrence Tolliver, I do want to give a shout-out to Luke Tasker, too, though. I think this year he has his first 1,000-yard receiving season. Well, Luke Tasker is a guy I was able to pick up late in our fantasy season and kind of ride him to the uh, to the championship. I like him a lot. He's got good quarterbacks. Uh, you know, there's a good defensive, a good offensive line. I think you're not going to see Odell Willis uh, making us all think that Zach Caleros may have died on the field. Yeah. Uh, I think protection is going to be better. I think the run game is going to be better. And <laughs> it's funny because Hamilton's been the running joke of, oh, yeah, great. We're playing Hamilton. They're so bad. Ken Austin's made them a legitimately good team, and, man, I'd, I'd put them up against anybody in the CFL this year. The thing that uh, shocks me about Hamilton, they got off to a slow start last year. They got off to a slow start the year before, but now they got the Tim, a full season at Tim Hortons Field, and since they moved into there, they have been unbelievable. Well, and you're not making any of those goofy road trips, which is one reason I, uh, like, 
they're on the field and, and playing in, in Guelph, which isn't a great venue. They're driving an hour each way for practice, and they're still able to recruit that kind of talent. Tim Horton's field is finally 100% done, and from all reviews, it's an absolutely amazing facility. So I'd like to get out there to catch a game one day, and I think they're going to have real home field advantage, and they're going to be they're going to be the East leaders by far. Yeah, you saw what it did to Hamilton when they moved into their new home. I think next year you see what it does to Toronto when they move into their new permanent home. And then that Labor Day Classic again, which I think uh, I'm partial to the Riders-Bombers uh, yes. rivalry. But I think that Ticats-Argos rivalry is one of my Oh, it's just one of my favorite rivalries in the league. It's well, great. we're we're Western guys, so we haven't had an opportunity real easily because, again, it costs basically an arm and a leg and your firstborn child to fly anywhere within Canada, especially <laughs> no on doubt. long weekends. So I would always love to get a chance to see that. I hope to one day. I haven't so far, but I'm sure that day will maybe be coming. Now, I guess that wraps up our East preview. On Wednesday, we're going to come back with the West preview. We do want to give you the details on how to join the 2 and Out CFL podcast fantasy league, though. Yes, that's right. Uh, I think we, we need to make this a little contest. And also, uh, thanks to you guys, we made new and noteworthy on iTunes, which is why we're doing an episode early. Uh, we're so excited about it. We want to stay in that spot. Uh, so I think we should tie it into a little bit of iTunes promotion. Yeah, so... Since we got to the new and noteworthy page from iTunes ratings and reviews, we want you to go on iTunes, rate us, review us, and uh, be creative with it. Make it funny. Tell us why you should be in the Fantasy League. And I think we, uh, we'll we we'll choose the best entries and get you into uh, this uh, To Announce CFL Podcast League. I like it. And if you've already left us a review and, and a rating, I know you can't do it twice, just tweet at us at 2 and out CFL with your review if you've already left one. Positive and negative. Maybe we should do uh, the best negative review, too, because there was a guy that uh, he rated us two stars and didn't like us because we didn't take fantasy sports seriously. Well, no, and I don't <laughs> think we will. But that, you know what? That's okay to each their own. If, uh, if you, Mr. Negative Review, uh, that uh, doesn't like the nonsense, uh, if you, if you want to prove that you wrote the negative review we welcome you to the cfl league yeah beat us beat us in the league mostly so i can <laughs> whoop your butt and make myself feel better about you leaving us a negative review well here's the thing keyword in fantasy sports fantasy yeah <laughs> it's fun yes we're not taking ourselves too seriously like, yeah full on, disclaimer so. if you're in this league with us be prepared for a little bit of trash talk yeah we love that part but that, i think I, I'm a coward, though. I'll cower. If you if you, <laughs> if you trip me, I'll, I'll be turtling like Claude Lemieux in no time. You're a big fuzzy teddy bear, and <laughs> I'm the mean person who fires back and then fleeces you in a trade. You are ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> All right, again, so iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, leave us a very creative review, and we will get you into the 2 and Out CFL Podcast Fantasy League West Division Preview coming up on Wednesday. Thank you for listening. John Fraser and Travis Kerr signing off the 2 and Out CFL Podcast.